Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com, or you can contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There, you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Well, good morning, and Shabbat Shalom to everyone. Um, sure most of you know me, but the, for the few that don't, I am David Haller. I'm the worship leader and elder here at Tikvot Israel, and uh, so I have the honor and privilege this morning to bring forth uh, a sermon. Thank you, David, for this opportunity, and thank you for Maggie and Breno for leading the worship team this morning. It's been awesome. So, yes. So, as I prepared for this sermon this morning, I wanted to reflect on, and, and I'm sure anybody who gives a, a sermon or, or preaches each week, you want to reflect and say, Lord, what do you want me to talk about? What do you want me to share this morning? And uh, so that's what I did. I, you know, I, I asked, Lord, what do I need to speak on? And often it has something to do with what do I need to learn as well. And so here we are, and you hear it all the time on the news, on the TV. We are here in troubling times of pandemic, civil unrest, cries for justice, economic uncertainty. But I asked the Lord, what, what do I need to hear in my life? What do I need to put on in my heart that I can help to teach to others as well? And so when I did that, the Lord just put a perfect picture in my mind and in my heart. He says, you need to go to the Lord's Prayer. So we're going to study the Lord's Prayer this morning. We're going to read it, and we're going to break it down. So I would like to open up, if you could put up the slide, Robert, the Lord's Prayer. Now, it's a little, yeah, the print is a little bit small, but this version I have up here is called the Kingdom New Testament Version. It's a contemporary translation by the uh, theologian and professor, Dr. N.T. Wright, N. Thomas Wright, who's uh, a British theologian. But I think it's a beautiful way of expressing it, and it'll help us in studying and understanding. So let's read it. Okay, it says, When you pray, don't pile up jumbled heaps of words. That's what the Gentiles do. They reckon that the more they say, the more likely they are to be heard. So don't be like them. You see, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And he says, so this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. As on heaven, so on earth. Give us today the bread we need now. And forgive us the things we owe, as we too have forgiven what was owed to us. Don't bring us into the great trial, but rescue us from evil. And then he went on to say, yes, if you forgive people the wrong they have done, 
your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you what you have done wrong. Now, growing up, you know, I have, there's a lot of churches that use this. You hear that they use it in their liturgy. Every week they'll say the Lord's Prayer. And it become, can become repetitious. And in my mind, I always associate it, well, it's a churchy thing. Well, in, in studying and listening to uh, what Professor Wright taught, he says, this is a very Jewish way to pray. And it's recorded here in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. The Lord's Prayer is Yeshua's own creative and kingdom-focused fusion of many Jewish prayers and many Jewish prayer ideas. ideas. See, the Gospel of Matthew's overarching theme is as Yeshua Emmanuel, that is, God with us. The Lord's Prayer is a prayer of hope as well as as confidence. It's a great model, an excellent example of how to pray. Now, many people, and I'm guilty of this at times, and I'm sure you are, many people, in effect, tend to pray the Lord's Prayer backwards. We say, help me, God, I'm in a mess. Get me out of this. When we really should start with worship, with invocation and honoring God as Father, honoring Him first. Yeshua reflected prayer in His life by always calling God Father, honoring the Father first. He prayed the Father's will be done. He repeatedly forgave, and He taught people to live for today. Don't worry about tomorrow or fret over the past. He encouraged people to resist the devil, responding to him with the word of God instead. So let's break it down. Let's examine this prayer. Okay, the first part is our Father in heaven. Now the temple in Jerusalem was the center of Jewish life in Yeshua's time. The idea that the living God was present in the midst of his people to dwell with them. It goes back to Genesis, where God was with Adam and Eve in the garden. And then, well, we all know what happened with Adam and Eve. They got kicked out of the garden. But then there's a gap until we see with the Exodus, God instructs Moses to build a tabernacle so that he can be with his people. Dwelling with his people. God wants to come and dwell with his people. And the whole Bible ends up with God dwelling with humans, where God will be dwelling with us in the New Jerusalem. The Lord's Prayer starts with our Father in Heaven. It's really a temple prayer. So you're in effect praying what it means to be in the temple, regardless of where you are physically. You no longer need to go to the temple in Jerusalem to be in God's presence. The message to the apostles was that Yeshua has been with you and taught you. And now Yeshua's prayer is your prayer as well. You see, the idea of God as Father is somewhat limited in the Torah, although we do see God referring to Israel as my son in a couple places. The Lord said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Lord as Father is associated particularly in Exodus chapter 4, verses 22 and 23, where God instructs Moses to tell Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son, and I told you, let my son go so that he may worship me. In Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 31, which is actually part of our Parsha this week, there's a metaphorical reference for God carrying Israel as a father carries his son. You see, fatherhood implies relationship. It implies intimacy. It says, this is someone I have a close relationship with. The sonship theme continues. It's used in the Psalms, particularly like in Psalm chapter 2 and verse 7, where it refers to the Davidic king. And it's, quote, he said to me, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. We, say, we see it in the, the words of the prophets in Isaiah chapter 60, reference to sons and daughters coming from afar. Anyone who's thirsty coming, and you too can share in the Davidic promise. And then we go on, the referral to God as Father really expands in the brief Hadashah, the New Testament. You see, in the Gospel of John alone, Yeshua refers to God as Father, as my Father, 107 times. The people who follow Yeshua, the people who belong to him, the people who through baptism and faith are part of his family, they too pray, we all pray, Abba, Father, the way Yeshua prayed. This is relationship. We see powerful acts of deliverance through history, through that fathership. Yeshua's followers are the true Exodus people and the true Messianic people. In the last book of the Bible, in Revelations 21.7, it says, Anyone who comes, anyone who follows me, I will be his father, and they will be my children. When we say our father in heaven, it is though we are the, in the temple, in the presence of God. You see, we come to the father with a sense of, I like to call, gracious entitlement. Now, entitlement, of course, can have negative connotations. But this is entitlement by God's grace. By God's grace, you are entitled. It's not based on what you earned or deserved. It's by grace. And the phrase, in heaven, it's as though we are coming into the temple, into the presence of God. We come as free, forgiven sinners. Not like the high priest who could only go in enter once a year and with a rope around his waist just in case they had to drag him out, right? No, we have the privilege to enter on a daily basis. What's the next phrase? May your kingdom come. May your kingdom come. Wait a minute. Isn't God king already? Yes, that's true. We say it in our liturgy, right? Avinu Malkinu, our Father, our King. The Psalms certainly speak of this, but they also speak of God becoming King in a whole new way. You see, because 
Although God is sovereign king over the world, his authority is regularly being usurped both by humans who are saying, hey, I don't want to listen to you. I'm going to do it my way. I want to do things my way. I want to be independent. And by dark forces, which we as humans give over our power, which may be, they come in the form of economic forces, social, cultural, spiritual forces. And the Bible actually has a name for these. It calls them idols. We're praying for God's victory, for driving back those forces, back to those idols. The prayer for God's kingdom to come is for God to put all things right again at last. The prayer is for the success of Yeshua's ministry, which will then be implemented through his death and resurrection and by the work of the Holy Spirit in the world. Bringing heaven and earth together in a single bond with God reigning over it, the new heaven and the new earth, as spoken of in Revelations 21. Celebrating God's kingship is something we do every Shabbat. Our Shabbat celebration is a picture of what is to come. Shabbat every day. When we say, Avinu Malkenu, our Father, our King, in liturgy, we're saying, we're saying the kingship of God, eternal Shabbat. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we hold that the new reality and grateful hope is in the presence of our Father. What's the next phrase? Daily bread. Daily bread. It's at the heart of the Lord's Prayer. It implies you keep asking. If it's a daily bread, you keep asking for it. Give us our daily bread. And not only for ourselves, but for others. We are, in effect, interceding through our prayer life for the needs of the world as well. Let's look at Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer. See, this is located in two different places. We see it in Matthew, but it's also recorded in Luke as well. If we can turn to the Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 8. There we go. Now, this is the other account of the Lord's Prayer. Now, Yeshua was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Master, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So then Yeshua said to them, When you pray, say, Father, sanctified be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And Yeshua said, Which one of you has a friend, and will go to him in the middle of the night and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. Then from within he may answer, saying, Hey, don't bother me. The door is already locked. I'm in bed with my children. You know? I can't get up to give you anything. I will tell you. He said, Even if the friend will not get up and give him anything out of friendship, yet because of the man's persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. 
daily bread. See, we know the account of the miracle of Yeshua feeding the 5,000, giving them food, giving them sustenance. We know the miracle of God feeding the people in the wilderness, manna from heaven, every day. That's daily bread, manna every day. We need to remind ourselves, even though we live in a land of plenty, that there are places in the world where people do actually starve, who do not have enough to eat. There are children that go without enough sustenance. By our listening to the whisper of the Holy Spirit, to feed the hungry, to clothe the needy, we do make a difference in the world today. And there are even parallels between the praying for the daily bread and Yeshua as our bread of life. There is the connection to the Shulchan Adonai as well. The next section has to do with forgiveness, right? We're up to forgiveness. Now, Yeshua going around forgiving people's sin was a big deal. Kind of like going around today saying, yeah, I issue you, here, you need a passport? I'll give you a passport. You need a building permit? Sure, here's a building permit. Or, I pardon you, you know? I pardon your sentence. You don't get out of jail free. It's like, what? By whose authority can you do this? If you wanted forgiveness in Yeshua's time, you had to go to the temple and offer a sacrifice. Who did Yeshua think he was? See, he was inaugurating a new covenant. That's why he held a special Passover meal the night before he was executed. We pray for reconciliation with God, reconciliation with one another. We pray, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our debts, forgive us the things we owe. Whatever version you want, it's debts, trespasses, sins, things we owe. It's like the year of Jubilee, wiping the slate clean, wiping your debts clean. You know, the Western world in recent years, and in the past century, has at times wiped out the debt of some third world countries who were ravished by corrupt dictators and such. What a relief it is to be able to start over new, that sense of relief. We, the United States, defeated Japan and Germany in the Second World War. Yet, we forgave and helped rebuild those two countries who now stand economically stable democracies. I think our nation has been blessed because of that. That forgiveness has blessed us. You know, the, the Soviet Union, before it fell, Second World War, they didn't do that. They went ahead and oppressed the nations that they so-called liberated for 45 years until the fall of the Berlin Wall. Forgiveness, caring for those who are in need. And likewise, we are to forgive. Matthew 18, you can pull that up, reference. Matthew 18, verses 21 through 22. It says, Then Peter came to him and said, Master, 
How often shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And Yeshua said to him, No, not up to seven times. I tell you, but 70 times seven. He's saying, you keep forgiving. You don't stop. And in Matthew 18, and it continues on in verses 23 to 35, I didn't put it up there, but that is the parable of the unforgiving servant, where Yeshua tells the story of the, the servant, the slave who owed money to his master. And master was going to sell him off, him and his children, his wife and kids. And he pleaded with him, please forgive me, forgive me, have mercy on me. And the master said, okay, I'm not only going to not sell you off, I forgive your debt. And then that same servant had, oops, this came loose. Saw that. That back there? There we go. And that same servant had another servant friend who owed him money. And that guy said, will you please forgive my debt? And he said, no! And had him carted off to prison. So, when the master heard about that, then he, he had the original guy sent off to, to prison. Because he says, if you don't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven. And that's what Yeshua was talking about. Forgiveness can be hard at times. Let's be honest. You know, Sometimes it's easy for me to say to someone else, oh, you need to just forgive them. But when you're truly hurt, it can be hard. But the thing is, it's liberating. And when you forgive, you know. You know it liberates you. And it, open up, it opens up God's forgiveness for you. The next section is, don't lead us into temptation or great trial. Surely God would never leave, lead anyone into temptation, right? Certainly that's what James 1 says. God doesn't do that. But it's saying, don't let us face a great trial, a great test. Watch and pray that you don't come into a testing, the Greek word parismos. Don't come into a great testing time of tribulation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that God will not let you be tested beyond what you can bear. So, you may face some trying times here and there. You may face difficulties. The believer's walk is not a cakewalk. But he says, I'm never going to let you get tested beyond what you can bear. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, We are hard-pressed in every way, yet not crushed, perplexed, yet not in despair, persecuted, not forsaken, struck down, and not destroyed. Is that familiar to the words to any worship song to anybody? Right? Trading my sorrows? Yeah, that's where it comes from. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says, he talks about how he was almost to the breaking point, the things he, he suffered, but he said, somehow I'm still here. God made sure he was still here. And the next section is rescuing us from the evil one. Rescuing from evil or the evil one. 
See, God has made a good world. Evil has no legitimate place in it. And people who work in deliverance ministries, they know they can speak of the darkness of evil that occurs in people's lives. They understand that people that feel oppressed, whether it was addictions, uh, oppressions, and these kind of things, that it can be very dark, it can be mean, it can be merciless and unpleasant. We pray, God, don't let us get to the breaking point and crack. Don't let those dark forces get their tentacles in us. Yeshua faced this on the night he was praying on the Mount of Olives. Remember where he sweat was pouring down as of drops of blood? He prayed, Father, if at all possible, take this cup from me. And then he faced his arrest that night. I mean, it's tough times, difficult. Our prayers about temptation, our prayers about deliverance from evil, they must always bring us back with awe and gratitude to what Yeshua endured for us. He endured that for us. And I want to add one other section to the Lord's Prayer that you don't hear in Matthew and you don't hear in Luke. And that's the phrase, yours is the kingdom and the power. You may have heard that at the, Lord, at the end of the Lord's Prayer. Well, it, it's, it's not in Matthew or Luke. It actually comes from a piece of work called the Didache. The Didache in Greek means teaching, or it's the teaching of the Twelve Apostles. And it's the earliest form or usage of the phrase kingdom, power, and the glory at the end of the Lord's Prayer. It's actually a very early messianic writing. And it was only discovered in the 1800s, believe it or not. Scholars knew about it referenced in other writings, but they never could see it or find it. But it was finally discovered in, in Turkey. It's dated back to the late first century AD. And it's written in the time of the Caesars, the supreme leaders of the Roman world. And it is speculated it's added in light of the times where you had this Caesar, and if you remember, Caesar was not only supreme leader physically, pol politically, economically, but they, he was considered a god, or he, they wanted him to be worshipped as a god. So the believers, the messianic believers at this time, they said, yours is the kingdom and the power. You, Lord, are the king and the power. We may be under this sky, but we're saying, you're Lord and the power. You, Lord, you are Lord and king. It's saying that we are his son's daughters. We are his people. Mark 10 contrasts the rulers of the earth versus God's way. Because if you remember, that's the servant's way, the servant leader. When we are praying for Yeshua, Yeshua-shaped kingdom and power and glory, we're going right back to the heart of the prayer, 
a kingdom, power, and glory. He shall rule, he shall rule the nations, as in Romans chapter 15. The root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the nations, and him the nations shall hope. Teach us to pray. Some closing thoughts. Remember in Luke chapter 11, which we just read, the apostles asked Yeshua how to pray. Well, he showed them. He taught them. He went on to say, if you knock on the door of a friend at midnight, you be persistent. Don't be afraid to keep praying. There are stories of people that have prayed for years for an answer to prayer. Sometimes it doesn't always come quick, but there's a lot that have persevered and seen deliverance, seen answers. Be persistent. The simplicity of the Lord's Prayer is a great way to start. Then treat the prayer as a destination. Grow in your spiritual walk. Become the person who can pray every syllable of this prayer out of complete and full heart. Each time we pray, we are claiming his victory over darkness. We are claiming his kingdom as coming on earth as in heaven. We need to say, I want to be a part of this. This thing is bigger than me. It's God's purpose in the world, and I want to be a part of that purpose, that Lord's Prayer. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you.